Well, bow your heads with me just a moment and let's talk to the Lord. How great to have a God who deigns to come and meet us. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your servant spirit. Amazing that you, the Lord of Lords, come to us, seeking us out, looking for us, reaching to us, meeting us even in our deepest needs, making provision for us. Take these moments now, Lord, and take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills, Lord Jesus. They are so stubborn. We are so set in our ways. We box ourselves in with such limitations. Take our wills, Lord Jesus, and bend them to your own. And take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, you have on the front of your service sheet, Renewed. We launched into this new year. It's amazing how fast we've entered into it, already on our way to Lent and Easter. But with a sermon, virtually a standalone, about being revived and restored. That was a blessing for me to be preaching to that. It was as if the Spirit of God came on me and renewed me, revived me. Well, to be revived, restored, and now we're in this series called Renewed. The means of grace by which God, in a continual process, renews us. It's not a once in a lifetime deal, a constant state of renewal. People who are in recovery from drug addiction, alcoholism, or whatever it is, never say they've got it licked. What they say is that they are in recovery, always in a state of recovery. Aren't you amazed that the sun hasn't burned out yet? I'm awestruck by it. In the years that I was down in Florida, lick your chops again, in the years that I was down in Florida, we would watch from our second floor apartment the sun rise up out of the ocean. An amazing sight. Morning after morning, it would rise up. Aren't you? And I I, I keep looking at it and saying, why doesn't that burn out? And by some miracle of God's creation, it doesn't. And it's as if the elements keep restoring themselves in the burning of the sun. And we're coming to that place in our series where we're talking about our serving as part of God's grace in renewing us. That as we serve, whether it's Him or through Him, one another, or the world around us, And we're speaking about being shaped to serve, assigned to serve and shaped to serve here this morning. As we speak about that, it's as if when you exert energy for the Lord, when you put yourself out, when you make the move and you expend your energies, your giftedness, use your time, your passion, 
and give yourself to serving God and one another, you, I, the choir, we are renewed. It's as if in serving, something happens whereby when we give, we actually get. Jesus took a principle and said this, when you live life for yourself, you lose. When you lose your life for others, you gain. It's a paradox. Parallel truths. When you spend, you can't outgive God. My wife and I keep saying that all the time. The more generous we are, the more God keeps giving us back. It's not like we empty the pot. He refills it. It's an extraordinary thing. I want to encourage you this morning, as does the Lord himself. This isn't about me. It's about him and the plans he has for your life. Now yesterday we had a great men's breakfast, stacked out fellowship hall. And uh, Jeff Hartings of the Steelers was the speaker. Pastor Barry Mariana led us with his guitar in some worship. It was a great morning. Afterward, I met with Jim Bridge. And Jim, you can start moving in this direction, if you will, brother. Uh, Who is directing our ushering ministry? He's the new leader of our ushers team. And uh, that's both for the third service and here. And I'll just say quickly, he's looking for more guys to be ushers. So we'll find a way to get you signed up. But that's the real deal. That's another opportunity to serve. But as we sat in my office after the breakfast, and we spent about an hour maybe just getting to know each other better, he started telling me some things about how people have served him and his wife in this church. And I thought, wow, because I didn't know, and I'm sure you don't. But as he spoke, I I thought, he needs to tell that story tomorrow morning, because we're talking about serving. So Jim Bridge, he's an officer with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. So he's a trade union chap in leadership. Isn't it interesting that it's called an international brotherhood? I want to tell you something. We who love Jesus are the international brotherhood and sisterhood. And they borrowed that from the Christian cause, let me tell you. Anyway, welcome quickly and loudly, Jim Bridge. Morning. Morning. Well, as we're talking about ministry, uh, as John said, we talked yesterday, and I wanted to share... uh, uh, a blessing that my family was given through the church here. We just live a couple streets over, my wife Marie and I, and we have two older daughters that are moved out at this point. Um, my wife has had problems with migraines, so anybody that has migraines knows what that's all about. She got up the one morning, it was back in 2005, she woke up with a migraine. So she took her medicine that she takes for that, and uh, went back to bed, she got back up again, it was gone, but she would explain that whenever she takes that, it takes it away, but she has this like 
burn out the washed out feeling. Well, she left the house and she's coming back up Mount Neva Road driving up there and she wound up in a head-on collision. Um, it's only through the grace of God that she survived that. Um, she wound up in the hospital. Um, but she, was, she went through about two and a half years of surgery. She had a compound fracture of her leg, um, broke her ankle, facial things. But uh, the thing that uh, got me, I was in the hospital a lot with her. I come home the one day from the hospital, and I'm looking out, the, I'm looking out my uh, back door to the porch, and there's these containers on my picnic table and an envelope. And I go out there, and it was dinner. It was a family here at the church that had brought dinner up and left it for me. I was just blown away. I never expected that. And from then on, I got calls a number of times, and dinner was brought over. Um, Gordon Green, for those of you that have been here for a while, know him. He, was down, he came down every time Marie went into a surgery and prayed with us. John came to the house a number of times with communion for Marie. Uh, one of the other ministry here, the ministries, the Nitwits, brought a, a real nice knitted blanket with a, a little wooden cross uh, woven into it for her. Well, then we go forward uh, to 2008. I wound up having to have bypass surgery. I got out of the hospital, come home that day, and I'm just happy to be out of the hospital. And we get a phone call. Dinner was coming. And... We had dinner delivered to the house by different families here in this church several times a week for that first month. And then there was another family that delivered for, I think it was three months. They came on weekends. And I remember the last time that they brought it and said, you know, this would probably be the last time. I asked her if she would adopt me. Uh, the food was so good. <clears throat> um, but, I mean, I, I can't say enough for, the, for what... Uh, was done for my family there. As we talk about joining this church, becoming a member, you don't join a church here. You join a family. And that's truly what this is. And uh, I appreciate everything that's been done. And again, I thank all those people that did that for me. <clears throat> We've got plans for the ushers' ministry. Jim has plans for the ushers' ministry. Get involved, guys. It's going to bless you. Let's pray about that. Lord, we thank you for all the preparation for our worship that we can walk in and it's as if the table is set for us to enjoy being with you. Thank you for Jim. Bless him in his work. Continue to work with Marie and Jim in their health and their relationship. And continue, Lord, with us. Thank you for making us a living, caring, nurturing, serving family. And we pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Well, you had, and wasn't that amazing? Fed for three months. It's kind of like a... Elijah being fed by the ravens. That's not a football team. It is a football team, but it wasn't the ravens. Anyways, sorry about that. Here's the deal. God won us to himself. 
And as it's said in the reading, not that we might use our freedom to sin, but we are set free to serve. That is, to love our neighbor as ourselves, said that reading, which comprehends the whole of the law concerning our relationships to each other, that is. Set free, listen very carefully, set free not to be sinfully licentious, doing our own thing, but set free to become what God created us to be. And that's how we are fulfilled, to become what God created us to be. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, a very, very famous verse. You keep hearing it in various contexts. Ephesians 2.10 says this, We are God's workmanship, created, created, in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. That is, go out and do them. To be created in Christ Jesus is to be made new in Him. That's describing not the act of creation in the womb, but the, act, the action of a recreation, a new creation by the Spirit of God bringing us into the Jesus family, that we are born again spiritually, made a new creation. And when he brings us into his family, he has already prepared for us because he knows who we are. He knows who we are and what he has in mind for us. And it's not the same thing for all of us. But when we discover him and then discover each other, God has prepared for us an amazing life to be lived with his spirit at work in us, producing in us Jesus-like behaviors. It's almost as if our Lenten series on Wednesday nights is going to be a further extension of this series. Because we're doing the Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23 passage, which speaks of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and we're going to be speaking about those each evening on Wednesdays in Lent. Turn up. We had a great turnout last year. We'll have another great lineup of speakers. We'll be having some interviews by way of testimony. And come and have a soup supper ahead of time. So be a part of the family in that. But God has produced in us an appetite for fulfilling his assignment in bringing us to himself and living out the life that he wants us to live. My wife and I sit amazed day after day at the amazing life God has given us to live. We look back on it. We're in our 47th year of marriage, as I recollect, I could be a year out, but we'll say 47 for now. Somewhat on our way to 50. Hope we make it. And the deal is that it's been an astounding, amazing adventure. 
But we had our adventures before we met each other. And the real adventure began for us when we got to know Jesus. Don't you feel that for yourself? Aren't you amazed at your life? Aren't you amazed at what Jesus has done in you? Aren't you amazed at where you find yourself? Even here, this Sunday morning, look back over your life. Are you astounded that you're here in church this morning? Where have you been? What have you been up to? As you look back and you see what God has done and how he's brought you all the way. And he's not done with you yet. He doesn't have a retirement plan. You know we say that all the time here. He never puts you out to pasture. He doesn't give up on you. He's got stuff for you to do. While you're breathing and you're on this side of the turf, he's got stuff for you to do here. He's got stuff for you to do when you go on the other side of the turf too. You're not going to sit around in white robes playing a harp for the rest of your life. It's a spectacular adventure. I don't know if you know the name of that amazing Dutch lady, Corrie ten Boom. She was imprisoned by the Nazis. Her family had been helping Jewish people, hiding them in their home in Holland. They were discovered. They were put in concentration camps. Her sister died with her in the concentration camp, but Corrie lived and became quite a prominent speaker. They made a movie of her life called The Hiding Place. I think you can still get it if you go online and look for it. She said, Faith, F-A-I-T-H, a fantastic adventure in trusting him. That spells out faith. It's a fantastic adventure in trusting him. Taking that step of faith in serving one way or another, getting invested and involved, not discounting yourself, not as I pray, boxing yourself in, but risking the next step, the next part of the adventure. Continue to grow and expand. We're moving through this service membership. In other words, you remember I preached here? I didn't. I preached in third service. Pastor Ed Glover preached here on belonging. I listened to his sermon about getting connected. For those of you who turn up but have never really joined the family, committed to the team. Well, Pastor Ed preached so fantastically, we've got a class of 50 signed up for the membership next week. If you haven't signed up yet, you still can. But you get involved and committed to the family. And last week, while you were locked up away from the snow and the ice, if that was the case, we were addressing the issue of maturing in that faith. By the way, we're calling this series now Basic Leadership Training. Basic Leadership Training. These are the basics. Second base, maturity. Growing in your faith. And I'm addressing this morning third, the third class of getting involved in ministry, that we were made for ministry and shaped for ministry. By the way, you can go out and sign up for, if you've become a member already, but haven't gotten to the maturity class, sign up for it now. 
because you can't get to third base or the ministry class until you've gone around maturity class. And there's a desk out there that you can sign up for it. And uh, it's actually, you've got a brochure or a flyer in your service sheet as well that you can use. Get invested and involved. Become a part of what's happening. God has prepared some exciting stuff for you. Let me put it in these terms concerning this attitude of service. Jesus came as a servant. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 says this, I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for sinners, for the lost. Jesus knew his mission, but he came to serve. God had an assignment and a purpose for him, his Father in heaven, and he came to serve. Himself was a servant, and that same spirit should be ours. Listen as I read Philippians chapter 2. I'll pick up the text at verse 5. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Listen very carefully. This attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then that attitude is described. Listen to these words. Who being in the very nature or form of God... So here you've got God in the flesh. Did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, that is to be clung on to, as if that's what his dignity demanded, that everybody know that he was God and that he never gave up the prerogatives. In fact, it goes on to say this amazing statement. He emptied himself. The NIV translation made himself as nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He took on servanthood characteristics. So at that last supper and last lessons are always so memorable, He not only instituted the Last Supper, which we commemorate with Holy Communion. He washed his disciples' feet. Absolute humility. He was on his knees, washing feet. And Peter was so put off by it, he said, you won't wash my feet. To which Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. Jesus wasn't messing around. He wasn't playing games, to which Peter said, not my feet only, but all of me. He wanted in on Jesus' terms. Jesus' terms were that as I have served you, you've seen me wash your feet, so you are to serve one another. Greatness in Jesus' eyes is not measured by the prominence of position loftily set on high running everything, but is measured by the humility of servanthood. You know the Bible says this? 
God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God's in the humility business, demonstrated by Jesus. It was the spirit of Jesus. And he calls us into that same servanthood, brotherhood and sisterhood of fellow servants, one of another. How does that happen? By getting involved in servant ministry, helping out, being there for one another. The image changes when Paul talks about it in speaking to the Corinthians. He puts it this way, and he describes us as a body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14 says this, Now the body that we've become, as when we're united to Christ, with Christ as the head, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that's an image, isn't it? Where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Listen to this, verse 18 1 Corinthians 12, but God, in fact, has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be no body. Where would it be? As it is, there are many parts to the one body. It's the same deal. He's given us to each other. There are areas in your life where you are a ten at doing something. That means you do something really, really well. If all of us in the areas where we were a 10 function together, can you imagine what a powerhouse this would be? Astounding. God has a place for you in the body of Christ, assigned by him, not by me, but by him, discover it. Job actually said, you have shaped me, your hands have shaped me, O God. And there's this wonderful anachronism that is taking letters and spelling like faith, fantastic adventure in trusting him. Shape is this, God shaping us. S is your spiritual gifts. You discover those as you begin to try one thing or another. My wife was sitting in the church a couple of weeks ago and some chap behind her had this spectacular voice. She turned around and said, you should be in the choir. I don't know if he took her at his word. If you can sing, sing with the choir. <laughs> a good voice is a great gift. Are you good at organizing? I won't go through all the possibilities for you, but God has given you gifts, spiritual gifts. The H stands for your heart, your passion, what you're drawn to. I met a chap this week who's new in the church, but he's already committed to Pastor Ed's ministry on the north side. He loves working with the kids, teaching basketball. What's your passion? 
your heart. The A is for your ability. That's different than spiritual gifts. You've got different kinds of abilities. Some of you really have great organizational skills. Some of you have got trained abilities. I'm amazed that, that I can still find people who do shorthand because I don't type my own letters. I don't do computers. I dictate. And it's great that somebody can scribble that down in some language that I don't understand and translate that back into English. That's an ability. It's a great ability. The P stands for your personality. You've got a unique personality. <laughs> Some of you are saying, yeah, how unique it is, says one husband of his wife. Isn't it great that we're not all the same? Wouldn't the world be boring if we were monochrome? I couldn't stand it if you were all like me. And you wouldn't be able to stand it either. But we're all different, different personalities. And then the E is your experience. To bring a lifetime of experience that God can use. God has shaped you via these very ordinary things that I've described, making you an extraordinary person. Let me close with this thought. I've been reading a book, and I'm very excited by it, called The Boys in the Boat. It's about a crew, which is eight rowers and a coxswain, and the boys in the boat is about a crew that rowed in the 1936 Olympics in Germany. It was actually the crew of the University of Washington out west. And it describes the guys who made it into that boat. The boys in the boat. And how in every position of the eight, they're all rowing according to their strength and ability but they became a team and they rowed together. They started as a novice crew when they first enrolled at the university and they became a spectacular crew, winning all the championships in the USA and then going on to win Olympic gold. So I've given you the theme of the book. But how they get there is so energizing to me because of how tough it was making it to that last crew of eight and then pulling together and rowing together. I rowed in the crew, and I got excited about the thought and the memory of rowing. You all do what you have to do. But I do remember one day, after we'd been rowing on this lovely evening river time in London, the water was like glass, the weeping willows down into the water, and we'd become a great crew, starting off as a novice crew. And I went out and I pulled with all my might that evening. And we rowed together. It seemed so spectacular, except the boat didn't seem to move, as it should. So I'm riding home on my bicycle with one of the other crew members, two of us riding side by side. And I said to him, you know, Harry, I was pulling with all my might. I thought we were rowing spectacularly, and yet we didn't seem to move as we should. And Harry said to me, that's funny. He said, I was hardly pulling at all and thought we were doing really well. <laughs> Got the picture. Where are you in the boat? Are you in the boat? Are you pulling on the oar with us? Are you a part of the team? 
God's got great plans for you. And when we put it all together for us, that Pittsburgh might become as famous for God as it used to be for Steele. One last thought. Do you know the name Paderewski? He was a great pianist. He was playing at the Carnegie Hall in New York. And a mother who wanted her child to be a great pianist took her little boy to hear the great artist Paderewski. At the interval, people went out, got drinks, went to the bathroom, whatever. She lost her little boy. She was horrified. And she's looking around when she hears on Paderewski's piano on the platform chopsticks being played with two fingers. And she knew exactly where her boy was. He had run down the front, gotten up on the platform, and was playing Paderewski's piano. And horrified, she starts trying to make her way down there, when suddenly, still chopsticks, but it sounded phenomenal. And she looked up, and guess what? Pederewski had stepped back out onto the platform, come up behind the lad, put his arms around him, and was playing fantastic chords along with his two little fingers. When you seek and set yourself to use your two little fingers serving God, the Lord Jesus comes up behind you and turns that into a great concert. Do it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for rescuing us, making us your own, and then giving us the dignity and joy of being in this together. Take these moments, Lord. Seal them, seal us for yourself and for that assignment you have in mind. We pray in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.